Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I do a lot of cooking, and I can see it kind of uh, matching up to using too many spices in one dish. You know, too many things blended in, and, and you can't taste anything anymore. It just kind of tastes, well, kind of hot. Coming up, part one of my conversation with longtime Boise singer-songwriter Dan Costello. Dan talks about his writing style, music as language, using Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah as a songwriting exercise, and cooking as a metaphor for songwriting. Dan performs two of his songs, All That Glitters and Giving, a song from his days with the band Stella. I'm Walt Huntsman, and this is Measured Voices. Well, I'll start out with one I, I, I know you've been asked probably a number of times. I'm going to try not to cover too much old ground, but sure, you've got to yeah. cover a little. So talk about, let's start by talking about your songwriting style. How would, okay. you, how would you describe it for people? Okay. Well, uh, I've got kind of an odd, an odd hybrid approach to music in general. Uh, I came from listening to a lot of uh, singer-songwriters like uh, Simon and Garfunkel and uh, maybe Peter, Paul, and Mary, uh, Kingston Trio, like old folk things mm-hmm. like that, uh, Beatles, uh, a lot of my parents' records you know, when I was growing up. And then really started getting into, uh, I wasn't really playing guitar all that much, and I was kind of drawn more to piano songwriters uh, like uh, Billy Joel and Elton John, and a little later on, uh, Mark Cohn, and uh, maybe some of the kind of some of the sassy elements of maybe Ben Folds or things like that. And those, those really, really drew me. But along that process, uh, I started really falling in love with the guitar. And so the guitar became my primary instrument. And I, I never really learned how to play a piano all that well at all. but I ended up going to Boise State for a classical degree, a classical guitar degree. And so uh, the, all those things were already in place. The folk singer, songwriters, the, you know, I, I really appreciated the pop singing and, and things too, and uh, some of the other stuff there. But, uh, I, and I mean, I, I really loved a lot of the progressive rock, like Rush and Yes and things like that. But those didn't influence me as much as the as the folk songwriting and then these the the chord progressions that were available to the piano that just didn't seem as natural to the guitar. And so those things kept steeping as I was learning more and more about the guitar and then I started also f- kind of falling in love with bluegrass and with a lot of the instrumental uh string string band uh music, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones and uh Jerry Douglas and Mark O'Connor and uh, people like that, Sam Bush, and a lot of the, the, the bluegrass scene. So that all started to really uh, blend together and in, in a lot of interesting ways, I felt. There was, uh, and most of my songs ha- can, can be attributed to one of those elements, probably. Uh, the the uh, harmonic potential of the piano... Uh, that then I would map out on the guitar or that I would find some way to, to arrange on the guitar uh, in kind of a classical, a classical sense, uh, coupled with the uh, kind of bluegrassy elements of uh, some of the faster playing and, and little riffs and, and very, uh, 
very string specific idioms there. Uh, and then folk songs, uh, folk singer songwriters and, and, uh, kind of the, the, the pop song result of studying folk songs, if that's, <laughs> if that's a fair lineage to, to draw. So yeah, that, it's, it, they're probably going to fall into, into, you know, one, one or more, sometimes all of those, of those influences. That's a, that's a pretty wide range of styles. <laughs> when, when yeah. you write, uh-huh. how do you keep those from blurring or, or, conflicting with one another sure yeah you know i i I do a lot of cooking and i can see it kind of uh matching up to using too many spices in one dish you know too many things blended in and and you can't taste anything anymore it just kind of tastes well kind of kind of hot (laughs) you know the whole thing just (laughs) that's a great tastes over over salted (laughs) right so yeah i guess uh there, there are times when when i have to to uh refocus that or I have to, to try to intentionally limit that uh, to serve the song. Uh, and then it becomes more of an element of the, the theme of the song. You know, if, if, the, if the words guide that toward needing uh, more simplicity in the, in the musical side of it, then I'll, I'll start trimming down. You know, I'll pare things down. I'll grab the loppers and, and <laughs> uh, you know, really try to weed out what, what doesn't need to be there. Uh, but if it's a simpler... Uh, thing and the music was already there to to really build that, and I just kind of want lyrics to to have somebody to play along with the music, um, you know, that, to to give it a a, a buddy, <laughs> to, you know, to jam with. Uh, then then I'll I'll be more uh, be more playful on the musical side of it. So. You mentioned themes. When you write these days, are there specific themes that you find yourself drawn to more than others and and has that changed over the years yeah you know i uh i i still one uh, one of the elements that really hit me when i was going through college even when i was doing all the classical guitar stuff and really focused on that and then i started getting into the bluegrass stuff which rarely has lyrics you know most of the things that i was listening to in that realm were instrumental so there wasn't a lot of lyrical content there. You know, I've got classical music on one side and bluegrass instrumental music on the other side. So there wasn't a lot of lyrical content. The lyrical content that I was latching on to uh, were uh, players like Ben Folds uh, on the piano or uh, Delamitri was a huge mm-hmm. uh, influence for me. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, maybe somebody like... Uh, uh, you know, Mark Cohn, I guess, it, you know, is another one there. But uh, I think the the common thread there between, you know, Ben Folds and Delamitri and Toad the Wet Sprocket and all those things, they their lyrical content is very uh, socially based. It, it's uh, uh, relationships between uh, individuals. Uh, the Delamitri stuff, uh, I think it affected more than just my songwriting. You know, it started kind of seeping into my expectations of how relationships work, you know, at that time too, because it's just like, you know, they had such a, such a bittersweet element to almost every, every song they wrote, you know, it's like, enjoy it while you can, because it's gonna die. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you can, you, you can, you can, you know, trace almost every one of their songs to that, <laughs> that concept. That does sound cheerful. Uh, right, yeah, you know, and, there, and so there was this kind of melancholy, the Toad the Wet Sprockets uh, themes, you know, a lot of times they're, they're dealing with, uh, 
Uh, a lot of times with departure, with uh, the idea that uh, you know you you uh, you might not remember the good things about uh, you know you you kind of have to hang on to the good stuff because most of the other stuff is going to fall away. And y- yes, there are going to be things that go wrong, and there are going to be things that that hurt you or things that you do that hurt other people. So figure out a way to deal with that and then remember the the good stuff or else you're just going to be miserable all the time. <laughs> and I, that, that thematic content really, mm-hmm. uh, really seeped in a lot to my writing. I think that's, uh, that's an element there. One of the other uh, parts that, that started really connecting for me was that uh, I wrote a song uh, for some friends of mine that were getting married and uh, that was so successful as a as a songwriting endeavor, and also just as a as a song. Uh, you know, I felt like that that ended up being a very popular tune of mine, and and people really resonated with it. It connected. Uh, that that process became uh, a, a fairly reliable uh, thing that I could come back to. Uh, writing for weddings or writing for special events like that really was a was a good target <laughs> for me. That's, that's interesting so. because uh, the first songs that I wrote that I ever shared with anybody else were written for people for their weddings. So right, right. yeah, and, yeah. I, th- I think it, you know it could be uh, it could be a genre all in itself, or at least a a, a pretty clear playlist, something that you'd build mm-hmm. in a in a you know a larger library. You could put Noel, together songs that were written specifically for weddings. I think Noel Stuckey of Peter Paul and Mary started that genre with sure. the, he's come yep. to be a There is love and yeah, yeah uh-huh. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, so I think that, you know that that tempered some of that uh that uh melancholy. You know that that tempered some of that uh dreariness of the of the kind of the darker side of some of those lyrics that, that and, and I, that was a good thing for me uh, uh you know i was glad to to feel more comfortable with writing uh more positive lyrics or you know happier lyrics because uh, on the other hand i i think i read somewhere that somebody successful songwriter or singer said that sad songs sell because they are in it's in a lot of ways very universal to right, the human condition right. yeah you know it's uh I, there, there's an art to both sides of it. You know, there, there's an art to being uh, realistic enough in the love songs, where it's not just too Pollyanna. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not just oh, it's all roses and rainbows. You know, there's there has to be some reality there. You know, and and but in on the on the other side, I mean, you know, you look at uh, something like. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, drinking songs or, or you know, like <laughs> something like Friends in Low Places or, uh, you know, uh, tunes like that where it's, uh, you recognize that it's like, yeah, these are kind of, it, it, it's a song written for the losers in life. There's a lot of losers in life. We all are in <laughs> some way at some point, you know, so that's, uh, you know, that you're right. The thematic content there of, of being able to, to match that to that is, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to, again it's hard to be genuine with that though, because I think you can you can try to uh, make it as dark as you can. Sometimes I feel like the you know the the harder rock genres, the metal and and uh, some of those things, they they tend to go a little little over the edge there. And uh, 
the content ends up being darker than what what they can really relate to and it it kind of falls flat in mm. in some ways um you know it, it just it seems like how could anybody possibly be that angry or that disenfranchised with with just life in general there's got to be some and, other redeeming thing and still be breathing right right <laughs> you know so uh, that's that's hard for me to to only look at that in in one dimension and it, uh, i love the the songwriters that can find a way to to still put a uh a, a smirk on your face when they're singing about something relatively tragic. You know, there, there can still be a, uh, a humanity and a, a sense of humor uh, within those uh, darker themes. Now you were talking about writing for weddings and mm-hmm. uh, you yourself recently, you know, the last, uh, I almost two years ago got yeah. married. How did, how did that or, or did it sort of <laughs> shift the thinking when you, when you sat down to write a song? I mean, how sure. did that flavor it? Um, well, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I haven't written a lot, uh, since that time. I've I've never been a really prolific songwriter anyway. You know, it's not something where I've just got, you know, reams of paper, uh, with, with lyrics on them. Uh, You know, that hasn't been my approach. I, I write a lot of music, uh, but I've, I've been pretty, really over the years, I think I, as a songwriter, I'm kind of sparse with my with my lyrical out, output um uh, i think my uh just my my musical output and just kind of my my uh perspective on that uh has has maybe shifted a little bit uh definitely writing uh, in a lot of major keys and uh you know some some things there that that have maybe affected the the musical emotion that's that's being okay. put forth um L- lyrical content though um yeah i'm not i'm not sure if that really affected it so much i do have uh i do have somewhat of a of a challenge to myself and kind of a you know just a a goal of uh trying to write a song for my wife at least you know one song per year uh over the years and i i'm uh uh hoping to to keep that trend going so far so good you know we <laughs> I'm, I'm on on point with that, you know, I'm, I'm a little ahead, actually. So, but uh, you two know, hope... for, two for two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got a got a couple in the bank there. <laughs> yeah. there but uh, yeah, just you know, that I I feel like that's something that uh, uh, it 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 has been an inspiration. You know, she she's a, a wonderful companion and and uh, you know just such a such a creative person and and a uh, just an inspiring really. Uh, just astoundingly confident person with with her uh, with her ideas and with her performance uh, approach, and that that's that's just inspiring. You know, no matter what artistic discipline uh, you would be in, if if you were to spend much time with her, you'd probably be like, "Wow, that's that's such a kick in the ass." You know, it, it's it's a great uh, great inspiration. So, well, we've been talking a lot about music. Uh, can we? Uh... <laughs> Maybe here. A sure, little. sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, talking about wedding songs, and then I was just saying that I've been writing a lot of uh, major key things. But uh, the song that I wrote for my own wedding actually uh, was uh, has has a, a little more uh, serious or kind of kind of somber feel to it. Um, I guess maybe not somber, but uh, uh, 
what's the what's the well we'll come up with a term for it i guess here uh, this is uh, titled all that glitters gathered here to talk of our future and celebrate our lives and all that's in store and for every time I say I love you ah, don't you worry there will be a hundred more oh, all the glitters in the world can't shine as brightly as her soul From gold to silver, brown to gray From today to our tomorrow From today to our tomorrow Birds that say that you are my lady, winging a tail that says I am your man. And if we try to find true meaning, oh, don't you worry, I know together that we can. song I'm certain you've never heard before And if this one's not your favorite Oh, don't you worry There will be a hundred more For all the glitters in the world Can't shine as brightly as her soul And from today to our tomorrow 
from today to our tomorrow. From today and all tomorrow. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, Great guitar, by the way. Thanks for oh. <laughs> letting me borrow this little guy. Let's <laughs> put a link to that in the show notes, too, uh, so people yep. can go out and get one. Yeah. Um, you've been around Boise's music scene for a while. We yeah. won't you know, talk ages or anything like that, but sure. what? <laughs> as, as I, I would have to age myself then. <laughs> what... Uh, what kinds of changes have you seen uh, in in the local music scene over the years? Uh, well, uh, we moved here when I was 12 years old, and that was 30 years ago. Uh, so <laughs> do the math there. And uh, as soon as I possibly could, uh, I was hanging out downtown in front of coffee shops, you know, trying to find, uh, de- you know, desperately looking for live music. I, I remember those days very clearly uh, before we were 21. And there were so few places that you could go um, that you could see live music and be underage. Uh, the Boise City Code didn't have the word youth written in it <laughs> anywhere. Uh, there there were so few things for uh, younger people. And... Uh, I think that's that's one of the most positive shifts that I've seen in the in the the local scene is that there are so many more opportunities for younger people to get involved. Uh, I came up through the public school system, and I lucked out with that. I got some really great uh, band directors, choir directors, instructors. Uh, Boise State was a total unicorn uh hardly any other schools in the entire nation have two full-time and one adjunct uh there there was probably even more than one adjunct at the time uh guitar professors Mm -hmm. and that that was the case when i was there of course that's changed a lot since then but uh there's uh, there there was a really strong element for me to track through in in the public school system Outside of that, though, there were hardly any opportunities for younger people to to get connected with anything. I remember playing uh, for the uh, like the the public market when it first started, back when the Eighth Street theaters were still in place, uh, and they used to have it in that little parking lot by the theaters. Uh, the River Festival was going every mm-hmm. once in a while. We'd try to get connected in as a group with the River Festival. Uh, but the, it, there just were so few venues for that. And now it feels like they, there's a, there's a really, uh, wide range of opportunities there. You got things like Boise Rock School, uh, that's, that's putting a lot of things together there. Uh, a lot of other, uh, educational opportunities, uh, participation elements there. Uh, and then a lot of venues now that, uh, you know, if you, if you're a, if you're a high school kid that has a band or that you're a you know capable guitarist, singer, songwriter, uh, you know, and can can play a couple hours of material, you've got a lot of opportunities. Uh, so I I love seeing that. That that's a really positive thing. And I uh, I've been kind of isolated from any of the the issues that a lot of other people have with the scene. Uh, 
the the sine wave of uh, bands having a lot of opportunities, bands not having any opportunities, uh, cover bands taking over, DJs taking over, karaoke taking <laughs> over, live music with originals coming back, you know, all those kinds of things. I've been kind of insulated from that because as a as a solo singer songwriter, as kind of my primary focus, I can play anywhere. <laughs> you know, I can I can play. Uh, you know everything from a from a tiny little coffee shop without an amp at all, to uh, the, the Egyptian, to the Morrison Center, to uh, you know the, some of these the bigger stages that uh, still can can have an audience tuned in to a single singer songwriter. Uh, you know it's not something that I would fit well with. You know I'd need a band for something like. Uh, you know, if, if I were to jump in on Warped Tour or something like that, you know, I mean, that, that would be a, a different thing. But there have always been, you know, more opportunities that I can possibly take as a musician because of having that, uh, just the proficiency of being able to play a guitar and sing uh, palatable music for <laughs> for a pretty wide audience, right. you know, in a lot of different places. So I've been kind of insulated from the other aspects of that. I definitely sympathize with uh, people that you know, maybe a you know a rock drummer or a, a bassist or a keyboardist or you know someone that that is very focused on uh, rock music or progressive music or metal or things like that. There have been times that it, it's clear that we've lost a couple of the prime venues at that, you know, during that phase, and uh, there just haven't been a lot of places for them to play. Things like uh, Tree Fort kind of reinvigorate that uh, the the band aspect of things and the the more experimental music, the more uh, uh, kind of festival style sets of a half hour or forty five minutes of really strong material, and then you have four or five bands through the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that style of, of thing has really been, uh, uh, you know, it's had a real shot in the arm from, from Tree Fort Music Fest. But, you know, again, that, that's, uh, I, I love seeing that and I've been involved in some aspects of that, but as a, as a guitarist, singer, songwriter, uh, my, my, uh, my range and my opportunities are a little broader. Than, than a lot of other types of, of musicians. So, You mentioned uh, the, the training, education you got in mm-hmm. the schools, and I don't know if that's changed a lot in Boise. I know in some mm-hmm. parts of the country, music programs, when budgets get tight, that's one of the first things to go. It's true. It yeah. seems a little short-sighted, perhaps. It is, uh, yeah. Well, there's. I guess you can, you know, everybody's got their agenda, you know, everybody can say that, uh, you know, any one of the special interests or, or special uh, endeavors for education, they're, they're all going to stand by the, the data that, that influences the dollars. And so they're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, the, the results from this test say that, you know, math and science are going to produce the, you know, the best, uh, you know, people to, to join the workforce and, and all these other things. But there's just... I don't think there's any possible way to deny the impact on the development of young minds and of 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 every aspect their intellectual skills their emotional breadth their social capabilities uh you know that just their their creativity uh their confidence 
all these aspects of just being a, a, a functional member of society are so powerfully and positively influenced by music education and, and music experience at a young age. And I, I do feel that it, that that needs to stay at the forefront. I've uh, I've been uh, I have to admit that I've been kind of of a wuss about that as an educator. Uh, I've not been willing to sacrifice my time on stage or my endeavors as a writer or my creative side uh, to uh, take on the role of a of a full time educator. And I man, I I just admire some of those people uh, so deeply. Uh, I just I. I didn't have the the natural draw to that, mm-hmm. and I I don't know how effective I would be in in that role. You know, I'd probably I've I've taught a lot over the years just privately, and uh, it's is something that that uh, I've I've enjoyed at times, and I've also felt uh, like it's meaningful at times. But it's uh, I don't feel like I'm I'm ideally equipped right. or, or suited for that. You know, it's not, it's not my forte. Uh, the people that are, that have really, you know, sacrificed their, their careers as a, as performers, uh, and they still can get out and perform here and there, but there's, there's such a shift of focus and the resources, your time, your, you know, your, your, your mental focus has to be on the education side. Well, as, so. as someone who majored in education in college, I certainly understand the the lack of call yeah. aspect of that. Sure. Now, I've also seen studies that that talk about music and its influence on well, and some of the things you've talked about, like critical thinking, and even and even developing math and science skills. Yep. Yep. And it's often been referred to as the universal language because even right. if you don't understand the language of the lyrics, you can still get a sense of the emotion or the feeling either through when, the yeah. through the singer. Or through the music, yeah. So. When you when you think of it in terms of a language, um, you know, music doesn't really have all that broad of a vocabulary. Uh, it has, uh, you know, I mean, you, you're you're looking at in Western music anyway. I mean, you got you know twelve notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, that's not a very big vocabulary. You've got certain harmonies and things that that are fairly common, uh, but the the inflections. And the emotional content, you know, the the uh, the the ability to express an idea without having to actually say it in in a in a language and and really fully understand all of the connotations of of a language and and all the you know societal connections to that. You can you can have people from completely different cultures listen to the same thing and get the exact same idea because of the way the music makes them feel. And that, that's a fascination to me for sure. And I, that, that again, I think that's a, that's a developmental thing of a, of a common understanding of, of social beings. We're, we're, we're critters that need tribes. You know, we, we, we a lot of times need to collaborate with our fellow human beings and developing a way of understanding other people and communicating with them is a crucial element of that. Music is really, really good. It's just inherently uh, one of the most capable languages for helping develop that. And I, I love that about it. So. It's, it sounds like maybe we 
all understand one another a little better and get along a little better if we all just sang to one another. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 If we could, if we could find a way to, to, you know, maybe write a little song about it or, you know, play a, play a ditty on our recorders right, or yeah. whatever, you know, it is, you know, sing to it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The in, built-in in, instrument. In getting ready and trying to do research and preparation for this, I came mm-hmm. across a, a 2010, uh, interview you did uh, okay. for Boise Song Talk with oh, sure. James Coberly Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in it, toward the end of the episode, uh, I think it was, you gave a couple of pieces of advice. Mm. Write everything down. Yes. And then also, uh, don't be afraid to change something once you've started. Do you still right. follow your advice? And, 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 and what exactly, can you expand a little bit about what you meant by when you were talking about not being afraid to change something once you started? Well, uh, I think that's one of my biggest hangups with, uh, with div- it, it, it continues to be. And so I, I'm constantly aware of, of that voice in my head that says, no, no, you, 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 you created it already. It, it, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's a butterfly. No, you know, let it, let it live. And, uh, uh, I, I'm, it's so preciously rare that a song comes out fully fledged, you know, it, it just comes out of the shell, uh, you know, using the bird analogy, uh, it doesn't just pop out of the shell and then spread its wings and fly away and be its own entity. It needs to stumble around in its fuzzy little duck suit and fall out of the nest a couple of times. And then it needs to follow mom around and learn how to swim and learn how to fly and chase bugs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think songs have a, they have a learning curve. They don't know who they are yet. Uh, they don't. They don't know what they're going to become when they're first hatched, and uh, so that that's that's what I mean by that is that um, the 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 resistance to let a song become what it needs to to become or, or become what it what it seems to be steering toward, um, you know that that I I think as songwriters we need to stay open to that. You know we need to and and if it ends up coming back to the original idea fine you know that that's great that shouldn't be necessarily a bad thing um it just means that it it really was a great idea right from the start and it it didn't need to be changed but um that should be a conscious decision rather than resisting any other possibilities that really there's a high potential that one of those other possibilities would make the song even stronger it would make it better it would make it uh you know it would it would it would be crafted you know instead of um I'm really big with analogies, uh, you know, like finding a chunk of wood in the the forest and saying, this chunk of wood is perfect as it is. You know, I'm, I'm not going to change a thing. I'm just going to set it down in my living room <laughs> and then I'm just going to leave it there, right? Or you could examine that piece of wood and say, wow, you know what? This This really, you know, this piece of wood is so perfectly designed for... Yeah, it it seems like it would make a really cool, uh, you know, bookend on a shelf or you know something like that. After examining it and after recognizing maybe more potential for it, and so then you whittle on it, you know, and you and you work at it, and then it becomes something that's not only still beautiful and has that that initial natural thing as you found it, but now it also has your craftsmanship on it, and it also has a function, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Cool, you know that's that that's kind of my my songwriting approach, I guess. You know, I, I like them to have uh, 
uh, I, I like to know that I made the best decision on it and I didn't, I didn't ignore the potential for it to be better. So as you were, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about my own writing process or lack thereof perhaps <laughs> and how it took me a long time to get to a point where I felt comfortable going back and revising after something I'd written because sure. I I tend to be very prolific. I don't tend I don't say that I tend to be good. I just right. tend to be prolific. So there's always a lot of stuff and it's like sure. I get one down and it's like okay next. Uh-huh. But it and it took me a long time to get to where I would make revisions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also I don't know if it relates. I think it relates to the, the idea of what you were talking about about don't not being afraid to change once you've started. Also, at least subconsciously being open to the idea that you start a song, you think you know where it's going as you're, st- as you're writing it, and it mm-hmm. changes. And I, and I have one like that that I wrote recently yeah. where I thought it was going to be political uh. because of stuff that I had encountered on social media. Sure. And it ended up being a, a relationship song. So Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, there's uh, no, no, everybody's got a different process to that. You know, I think there there are some songwriters that uh, you know they they would probably benefit from leaving their songs alone. You know, it's like no, just that that one that one's done. You know, please please don't don't change right. it. And then other people that uh, are so constantly whittling on them that the the ink never dries. Right. You know, they're constantly revising, constantly changing, and and so they never really end up with a definitive version of it either. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know what, what the right answer is for that. I, I just feel, you know, for my own, for my Mm -hmm. own process and for my own songwriting potential, um, the, the, the things that have come out initially as pretty darn good ideas that then I have very actively worked on, you know, that I've, that I've focused on, uh, making smart revisions or really thinking about it. Those are the ones that have have done the best for me. One thing that I've recognized just in my own process, though, is that it's very difficult for me to add more parts later. Um, it's almost always easier to have, uh, if you think in terms of like verses and choruses, it's almost always easier for me to pare down from too many verses, mm-hmm. pick the strongest ones or combine a couple, uh, or, you know, make it, uh, you know, get it, as they call it, getting down to fighting weight, you know, okay. you know, tightening up and getting, getting real fo- focused in the, in the pop song craft or, you know, in, in that approach anyway. Um, I think it's easier to pare things down later and edit later than it is to try to get back in that mindset and, and add crucial elements or add meaningful content to it. That, that I find is very difficult. So I guess if there's any uh, any suggestion for other songwriters that that kind of have a similar process to me, I would say in that initial phase of of the writing of the song, when the idea hits, write as much of it down as you possibly can. Even if you don't think it's good at the time, write it down anyway and get as much of that material down. And then you can always add it later. But it's going to be much more difficult to add more meaningful content later than it is to pare down from that initial 
thing. So well, the story is that Leonard Cohen probably followed that advice to extremes with Hallelujah. There sure, are, sure. There are reports he wrote as many as 70 verses for right. that or, yeah. or more. So. Yeah. You know, I, that was one of my, uh, uh, when, when I first read that, because I was, I was always uh, in love with the Jeff Buckley version. That was the first encounter with, with that song. Uh, you know, I, I saw a live performance uh, not, you know, I wasn't at the concert. I heard a recording of a, of a live performance of his. And uh, that was just breathtaking to me. It was absolutely stunning. It was one of the, the most, uh, really one of the most galvanizing musical moments I remember. Uh, I just remember that so clearly, re- realizing what a performer can do. Just a mm-hmm. solo performer, them and a guitar, and a really good song. And what can come out of that? It, it was just absolutely stunning to me. Uh, and then, you know, so I, I got familiar with the song. I learned those verses that he had recorded in in that. I think that particular version had uh, six or seven in it. And uh, then, you know, I would I would hear other recordings of it. You know, I heard like the the Wainwright version of it, the J.J. Uh, Kale version. Uh, you know, a co- couple other. Uh, you know versions of it uh, over the, over the years, and uh, that got me thinking. Well, if there are that many verses to it, um, where where are the ones that disappeared? And uh, I guess there's you know a few here and there that you can find on online or whatever. But I took that as a as a prompt to uh, as as a songwriter to challenge myself to try to write some verses that would fit that song. And uh, man, that was that was a lot of fun. I came up with some some really cool material from that. And I feel like there, you know, I I got through three or four that were that were kind of forced and that were like you know, yeah, trying to fit the format. And mm-hmm. it was obvious that it was like, oh geez, you know, that rhyme really stinks. And, and you know, then but then after that, I I had a couple that. I'd I'd be just fine performing right in in line with the song, you know, if I can remember them. Um, but uh, I I feel like that's that's a a worthwhile endeavor, you know, when you recognize that a song has that kind of potential. You know, if somebody else could write seventy, you can probably write maybe two or three and there you go. see how it comes together. So. Well, speaking of a performer with a guitar, yeah, uh, yeah. We, uh, it doesn't have to be Hallelujah, <laughs> uh, but maybe we can uh, get another song. Sure, yeah, yeah, be happy to. I've been uh, going back through uh, some material that I had written with my band Stella uh, during the... Uh, the 90s, early 2000s, and uh, just kind of going back through some of those songs, uh, there were uh, a lot of tunes that were written specifically for that band, and we had the the arrangements of them written so that everybody got their chance to to shine, and and there were things there. But a few of the songs that that, uh, I've still kind of held on to... um, or that I'm I'm glad are back uh, are are there, and uh, there's, there's... uh, a couple of those that I've been really having uh, having a lot of fun re- kind of rediscovering. It's almost like I'm I'm covering an older version of myself <laughs> as an artist, and I've, I'm really enjoying that aspect. So, uh, this is called giving.
Every day you can see me looking into the souls of other men. Can it be that when you see me, you're comparing me to all of them? All the times we spent together, I guarantee there ain't a single regret. When we rhymed with the sunrise and we sang with the sunset, that's not to say we couldn't begin again. That's not to say. I couldn't go on living this way I've all but given Recently, the conversation sounds like we're reading a report to be filed. Can't you see my frustration when you treat me just like a child? Oh, that's not to say we couldn't be in again. That's not to say.
next time, part two of my conversation with Dan Costello. We'll talk about his latest band project, his approach to playing and performing, and his increased involvement with the Idaho Songwriters Association. Find complete show notes and links at measured-voices.blogspot.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Measured Voices. I'm Walt Huntsman. Thanks for listening.